Do you get nervous about stuff like this or not? All the time, man. Do you? Yeah, don't worry about it. <laughs> it'll, get, it'll get better. Yeah, it'll get better. I get better, yeah, especially when you're dealing. Yeah, you're telling me that it's gonna uh, get better. He says, "Yeah, I still get nervous." I'm like, oh, "Okay, so." No, yeah, yeah, but that's that's part of the game, man. Sir. Absolutely, it's 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 part of the process. That's you can't you can't get success without enjoying that. Yeah. There's no there's no lottery. It's 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 that process that you're gonna have to embrace. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Are yeah. you uh, familiar with the quote that Theodore Roosevelt about the men in the arena? Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. that—that's kind of like the one when I meet Kurt. I'm like, you know what? I'm in the arena, and yeah. and the people I'm trying to get is people out there, you know, yeah. también, you know, like doing doing their stuff. Pero bueno, listo. I'm ready. Let's do this. I'm ready. All right, sir. Uh, well, like I said prior to starting, I'm very excited about today. This is the first time we meet. Uh, I've been following you for social media, and it's very evident that um, you're someone that is very disciplined. Uh, hardworking. Yeah, um, you are. Um, you have a lot of goals. You you're working towards your goals. So I'm very excited about today about the questions that I have prepped for you. Hopefully you enjoy this conversation. But again, I just want to end um, on air tell you that once again I'm thankful for you to be here. So. Oh, I appreciate it. Like it's a it's always a humbling opportunity when other people are are, are trying to do the right things and just kind of trying to uh, network with the right people. It's it's a blessing and an honor to be here. Absolutely. Well, thank you again, Senor. Let's jump in. Please tell us who Rick Moreno is. Uh, uh, Rick Moreno, born and raised in El Paso, Texas. Uh, Proud to be an El Pasoan, uh, though I have been one of the individuals who would say, is proud to say that I had an opportunity to live on both the West Coast and the East Coast. And it really made me for the better. I mean, I'm a small town boy. Uh, My graduating class was something around 20 to 25 people. It's tiny. There's one hallway in my in my in my graduating class so when i ended up uh leaving to la and then also leaving to new york city i mean uh my graduating class at nyu graduated at uh, yankee stadium uh you know you you had uh steven spielberg and michael strahan were the guest speakers um at our our graduation so it was a culture shock for me to say the least eye-opening for me um i felt a lot of times i didn't belong I didn't belong. Um, you know, when you grow up in a small town where I, you know, frank, frankly, things were a little bit easy to get to where you need to because you're not competing with a lot of people per se, right? But once you get to a town like New York, and there's a saying, internal saying, that New York either embraces you um, and makes you their own or it spits you out very quickly. Um, there's really no middle class or no in between for New York New, people that are coming to New York. You either hate it. Um, or New York really loves you, and thankfully New York loved me, and it made me it made me stronger, it made me a little bit have more grit. Um, so I, 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 I'm super thankful for that. And then to come back, but I always knew I wanted to come back, Eli. I always knew I wanted to come back and, and give back to my community, be a source of information for the people that needed it. Uh, I just grew up super poor, six kids in, in uh, one bedroom apartment. Um, parents are immigrants. My dad, I mean my mom, uh, she uh, she picked in the fields in California, Northern and Southern California, grapes, tomato, cotton, uh, you name it. Um, it was part of the family family economy at that time, you know, if you will, to bring, um, you know, they would go in the summer and in the verano, they would go ahead and pick, pick whatever product that was necessary. And usually the goal for my grandfather at the time was so that they could buy something big for the family, maybe a van 
for that summer so that way they could go get from point A to point B. So I have pictures that are I'm going to frame and make them super nice and big one, one, one day when I'm a lot older to uh, always remind me, um, yeah, it's like four or five of my uncles lined up with my grandfather and my mom and they were picking the fields. And my grandfather was always wearing a top hat, always looked nice, always dressed even to the fields. So that kind of set the tone as to the, the type of expectation as a worker, as a leader, what to do when you when you when you come into work, you better bring it. So that's kind of a little bit about what my story is. My dad, he graduated. He was a valedictorian in his class in Mexico. Um, his Monday close was his Wednesday close. Tuesday close was his Thursday close. And so, yeah, they were poor as well. Um, they had an Adobe Adobe house uh, up on the hills in, in, in Mexico, and it was poverty. So kind of like a love story. They, my mom ended up moving to, to California um, and Silver City, New Mexico, because my, my grandfather was a miner for several, several years. And um, this is before social media. So my dad would write letters to my mom asking for her back, you know. Um, and this is from Mexico, right? When you was, my dad, my dad was in Mexico. Uh -huh. and my mom was already in the United States. And so that's kind of how he kept, I mean, we always talk about my brothers, like we would have quit. There's no way that we would have, we would have sustained that. But that's kind of like, you know, the notebook, you know, that, that was my dad. Like, <laughs> That's what he, he kind of made it happen that way. And he got an amazing woman. I mean, my mom, I think, is just an, a special superwoman. So, but that's a little bit about my family. Six kids. I'm, I'm the fifth of uh, the six. Um, uh, four, four boys and two girls. Um, all ultra competitive, uh, sore losers. We all hate to lose. Uh, it was a competition. I mean, we had to become competitive, Eli. When you're poor as heck, you know, by the time you get to the second child in the restroom, the water turns cold really <laughs> quick. <laughs> so you had no other choice but to be competitive. So my mom would kick us out. We would play sports and come back uh, in time for dinner and um, super involved in the church at the time. Uh, so there's, I, I really enjoyed my childhood. Uh, we were we were poor, but we didn't feel poor. You know, we were we knew we were poor, but we didn't. I, I also knew it was temporary. Um, but that's kind of a little bit about my early childhood. Yeah. Nice. And we'll get back to it, by the way. Now, um, I was doing my research on you, sir, of course. And I found out that you got your first home when you were 19. Mm -hmm. Extremely impressive. Mm -hmm. Talk to us about your story in real estate, what, please. What, don't, don't get so impressed, man. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, well, it, impressed, yes, because I had the discipline because I knew that I, I didn't want to be a renter for a very, very long time. Uh, one of my teachers in high school, I had made fun of him wrongfully. So, um, bless his heart, uh, he, not in a cocky way, but I knew that he was pretty much letting me know as a student that, I make more money outside of my teaching career, and I called bluff on it. I was uh, saying, "This is bullshit. You're, you're, I don't believe it. You're, or else you wouldn't be teaching, right?" And it was just that I was that kid that was always inquisitive. That I'm like, "Yeah, I don't believe it." Long story short, right before my graduation, I got like a small award for his class, and he invited my my mom and dad, and um, uh, he, he lived in Las Cruces. And then when I saw his house, I was like, "This is not a teacher salary house." And then I was in. I was all in and I started asking the, the right questions. What is it that you, how, how did you do this? Are you a trust fund baby? I was already a, a mocoso that way. I was like, are you a trust fund baby? Or where did you get this money from? Life insurance policy. <laughs> I was, I was being that kid. Right. And he's like, no passive income. And I'm like, what's passive income. And that started my journey. So by the time I was six, I was 17 when I left, left, uh, um, my town of Anthony and I went to go, uh, moved to California. I just started saving everything that I possibly could. I, I moved in with my family, my cousins. 
Um, thankfully, they, they helped me out and they gave me a place to stay. Um, and then we end, I ended up saving enough money for a down payment on house. Um, then my sister was transferring. She's a flight attendant. She was transferring from Chicago, I believe, or Indianapolis to LAX. So it, it made it easy for me to transition because she became one of the people that was, moved in with me. Um, but I almost foreclosed on that house, man. I literally almost foreclosed. So that's why I'm, don't be so <laughs> impressed. I was 19, dude. You know in what? In California, where, where, where crap's expensive. Right. You know what you know? is very impressive? That you were asking those questions yeah. when you're in what? In high school? Yeah. I mean, you were yeah. uh, asking this to your yeah. high school teacher. Yeah. So you were what, 16, 17, and you already yeah. had that mindset of wanting to find out why yeah. this yeah. was happening and that you were wanted to mirror the same thing. So that alone, it's very impressive. I, yeah, maybe, Eli. But you know what it is? Is that, you know, to, you know I, I would, I'm like, like being proud of my upbringing, right? But it, it's also something that, I mean, when cuando no tienes nada, when you don't have anything, uh, literally, like, I'll, my mom's favorite word was you have to share. And I'm like, this is crap. Like, why do I have to share if I'm the one who found the 25 cents under the couch? Like, this is not communism. What the hell? <laughs> this is not socialism. I was literally like, so we, in our family, we became very competitive by lack of resources, if you will, you know, not because we, and, and we also learned to give because we were forced to learn to give and then it became part of our nature. But um, I guess the fear of sustained poverty for me is what drove me to what you're talking about, those questions, because I did not want to be that way for a very long time. Like I was happy, we played outside, I, I had a loving family, thankfully for them. Like I, 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 I could say that I had an easier route in regards to the, the support from my mom and dad because they were amazing uh, God-fearing parents, but I, we didn't have anything. We, we didn't, I never had a bike, man. I never owned a Nintendo, a PlayStation, all those things we had when we went to go meet friends. So I was excited when I went to go see my, my friends. Um, I remember one time I borrowed a bike from my, my, my friend because it was too far, it was too late, and my, his, his mom was being nice. Like, we have three bikes. Take one of the bikes, take it home so that you don't have to worry about walking home. So they were being nice to me, dude, and my mom and my dad ripped my ass because I had a borrowed bike. Once again... Welcome to the traditional Mexican <laughs> household. Where yeah, yeah. Aquí no con, con cosas que no son, yeah, yeah, yeah. And most likely they yeah. thought maybe it was stolen as well. It was right? stolen because yeah. I never gave me exactly. a bike or whatever the case may be. Now, Rick, I, I, I know that. We're, we'll come back to it. But I, I, I am very curious because you do realize that even though you're telling me that you learn from this negative experience. Mm -hmm. But what I have found, and, tell, and correct me if, if maybe you, you think otherwise, is that from a negative experience, either you can take the, the route mm. that you took as far as you're not trans making it a positive or you can just uh, turn that mindset into that just the way it is and that's how I'm going to be as well. Absolutely. It, it, you couldn't put it any, any better actually. I mean, uh, part of me being a leader or mentor to any pe person that wants to listen to my, to my, to my, to any talk that I do is, is that you, the one thing you cannot control is who were your parents and your birth, right? You can't control that. You can't control if you came from from affluent, an affluent family or a poverty-stricken family like me. I cannot control that I'm from, I'm a, I'm a son of an immigrant family, a mom who picked in the field. I cannot control that. But what I can control is that day forward, right? And so I think we complain about everything wrong with us. We're in a woe me, a society to look at me, woe is me, and we victimize. And by the time we're spending, we're spending so much time victimizing ourselves, Eli, that we don't realize that the human spirit is a very resilient mechanism, if you will. Uh, it, it could withstand the harshest of pressure. 
but we don't test ourselves that way. We don't do that extra rep. Why do you think that is? Because of fear, right? You know, I'll, I'll give you an example. I'm not a fighter or anything like that, but like if you ever see UFC and someone gets knocked in the face at the right spot, at the right velocity, the right pressure, what happens to that guy's brain? Well, it shuts down like a computer, right? You see them just turn stiff, right? And that's the brain protecting the body mm. from further damage. So the brain is not good for dreams. The brain, what that, what the brain does is protect you. So it operates in what I call in a, in a lot of ways, not all the time, but in a lot of ways it operates in fear mode and fear prohibits you from growth, right? And so I learned to operate with my heart and make a shit ton of mistakes that way I do, but because I make my decisions so much quicker than I would see other people, I make a lot more mistakes, but I get to my destination quicker. So instead of people like, oh my gosh, I don't know, I, I think I should invest in talking about my field, or I think I should meet this person, I think I should ask this girl out, ask this guy out, whatever the case may be, do it, do it. Make your mistake, take notes, reflect, and move on. You're not, you know, my mentor in New York City, he's a Chinese criminal defense attorney and a big time real estate developer, but he literally would analyze a person so quickly and then get the information. And I'm like, okay, we're going to go home. We're going to talk about this. We're going to do this, this and that. He'd be like, let's go. And I'm like, Irvin, you don't even have 70% of the information. He's like, I don't. But the 69% that I have is worth me taking the risk. And I'm not going to waste my time so that someone else can take that risk for me. If I fail, I know where I correct it right away. And so those are the lessons that I learned. So I make my decisions pretty quickly in life and I make a lot more mistakes, but as a result, I get to the destinations that I want a little bit quicker. My path is a little bit clearer because I know exactly it's just, there's no failure for me. There really is no failure. There's no you competing against me, me competing against another person. I have no competition. It's me. It's me every day. So when people talk about rankings and this or that, me vale, me vale. Cause I know where I want to be. You know, it's very clear and evident as to what I want to do. And so that just requires me me putting in the time. Nice. Yeah. It's it's so encouraging to, to hear you say all these things. I know I have a lot more questions around go right it, go and right all it. that. Go right but let, 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 me, let me start with that. Is this, you think that you're born with a mindset like this? Is this in your experiences like your childhood? Can, a, can an adult person that knows that for the most part they always are negative or maybe they're uh, afraid of, 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 again, putting themselves out there? Is this a, a skill that you can learn or is Absolutely. this Absolutely. You know, I, I think there's certain people that have this God-given unique ability. Like, I, man, I could sing a little bit, but I, like, I see certain people, I'm like, it's God-given. Or, you know, I, I saw this guy on one of those talent shows. He's, he's blind and autistic, and he was playing the piano. I'm like, that's God-given. Like, you're, you're, you're just, you're, you're a special, like, God just put a special drop of, of creation on you, you know? But I also believe that there's people that if they hang around the right people, they put in the grit, the work, and put their head down, don't worry about the noise, cut their circle of friends very tight. They become very polished, Eli. And when they become polished, it becomes so impossible for someone who's not polished to destroy that, right? And so um, the reason why I'm confident in my field in certain aspects of worth people or whatnot is because I know I put in the time. Yeah. And mathematically, I feel that it's impossible for someone who hasn't put in the time to beat me in 
my field. Once again, I don't, I don't, I'm not trying to go on any rankings. Or I'm, my goal is very specific. Very few people know exactly what I want for my retirement. They are, and I don't really care about what my awards are. I don't. I'm talking about like once you become polished and you know exactly what you need to do. It's a mindset, and and so that's why I kind of gravitate to just the crazies. The crazies are the ones that you know they they people don't really understand why they're that crazy, why they're that driven, yeah. why they're so. It's that that's kind of like yeah you 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 can develop it you, you can, can develop absolutely it. yeah and and it's funny how we were talking a little bit before before we started the recording the podcast how in my take it's it, it's kind of like a similar mentality and and the thing when I'm I'm doubting something it's always courage over comfort absolutely courage over comfort Love and that. just do it you know because the consequences going back to like there is no competition it told me yep. you know and what I'm I'm, t I'm trying to teach my daughter and what ha has helped me with my confidence is just moments. If I do this and I have built enough small wins, that's gonna help me with the next step. Absolutely. Right? So we'll go back to that for sure. But um, let's go back to the uh, the start in, um, mm -hmm. in real estate. I know, even though you had that experience with that high school teacher, mm -hmm. yourself were a high school teacher for twelve years, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So tell me how you started. Uh, how did you take that risk going from a high school teacher? First of all, why you uh, you became a high school teacher, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. and then how you took that risk to become a full-time uh, real estate agent? Well, uh, I did not want to become a high school teacher, number one. Okay. Um, um, I knew I always wanted to be an entrepreneur of some sort. I just didn't know what, right? And then I had, I, I remember I was visiting my family. Um, I was almost finished with with uh, college or whatnot. And then uh, uh, my my former football coach was, was extremely ill. Um, so I, I came down to go visit him and he was in a hospital in Las Cruces and, and I remember visiting him and then, uh, uh, he kind of like, oh, it was weird. It was odd. He just said, you're going to be coaching here. And I'm like, no way. I, there's no, there's no way I don't want to be doing that. And, um, he kind of laid it down. Like, he's like, you listened to me. You didn't come back like everyone else comes back to the high school football games when when you're removed from high school and try to be the cool kid like oh look at me he's like you never came and visited us you listened to me when i told you don't come back until you've 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 grown and made something of yourself i i remember those words he like he told me don't come back don't be one of those losers that just comes back and and visits and just chills at the high school gym and and i didn't i just once i was gone i was gone and when i came back to visit him that's when it started my path and and so I, lo and behold, several months later, I became one of the teachers and one of the high school coaches. And then I fell in love with him, man. Um, I would have done it for free if it wasn't for bills, you know, honestly. <laughs> you really have to love teaching in order to, I, I, to I, stay a teacher, I don't in my love opinion. The, I, yeah, I don't love the bureaucracy behind it. I don't love the red tape. And definitely I don't like where the education sector is head, heading now. I definitely do not. God bless all those educators out there. My hat goes off to them as a former educator myself. I understand the pain that they go through. Um, the purity of it, like me being in the, in the classroom and just going, you know, all out on teaching the lesson and you see the kids like, oh my gosh, like I'm engaged, that I miss. I miss the preparation for my games, um, being the analytical guy, always making sure that I was always prepared. If we lost, it wasn't because um, I wasn't prepared. It was because we just we got beat, you know? And so, uh, but during that, the 12 year, um, span, I was already investing. I was already you buying. Already had, again, this passive income. Absolutely. Okay. I was already buying property. Um, and it got to the point that it became, I had to do astronomical work. 
in order for me to sustain both. Like I was waking up super, super early um, to write emails, to prepare my predetermined text messages that I was gonna send once the day started for people in the real estate world. Um, uh, I was doing my my grading uh, super early for my classes. I didn't, so by the time like lunchtime rolled around for me, I was already knee deep in real estate and teaching. Whereas most teachers, they were just chilling at the lounge and it, there was not a, a wasted minute for me, if you will. And so it, it got to the point that it was too much. It, like I was already making uh, maybe four times, three times the amount of my passive income and I wasn't even putting my work ethic into it as much. And I was like, this is, though I love it, I have to, I have to let it go. It was just, it was overwhelming at that point. Okay. How long did it take you as far as you um, thinking about it? Because I mean, even though maybe you were making more money, but it was still an eight to five, you mm-hmm. know, it was something that you have your, yeah. uh, the income coming in, your benefits, I'm sure yeah. that maybe played a role. Yeah. How long did it take you just kind of like decide that, you know, I'm going to go in on this, even though you already had. Yeah, you know, it, it, one year is in, and you hit a topic that I'm just going to go on a different quick go random topic it, I'm, um uh for those individuals especially during covid Eli like it's it's given birth to a lot of creativity and a lot of pain right uh, you know I, I believe through pain ideas are born uh comfort is your worst enemy it really is um uh sustainability and practicality all those words all these adjectives that I'm spitting out they are your poison for your success um, so you have to seek avenues that are completely different, that are completely uncomfortable, uh, that are against the grain, if you will. And so um, uh, I knew that every day that I would look when I was going to school, I just saw it, for better choice of words, not picking on anybody. I just saw comfort amongst all the people that were there. And but they were they were complaining about everything. And I'm like, well, do something about it. You are the creator of your own path. If you're not happy with you're making four thousand or five thousand dollars a month, then what are you doing? Well, it's because of my benefits. I'm like, well, make your if if you're getting paid three hundred dollars from your employer for your health insurance, well, figure out a way to be an entrepreneur and make six hundred, and you control your time. So these things started like when you were talking about benefits and this and that. I realized that I cannot make my job my reason or my the stability of my job the reason why i don't launch and to become my own my own businessman my own entrepreneur so for those individuals who maybe lost their job during covid lost a god forbid they lost someone um, who was a financial provider in their family it sucks it really does but maybe that's an opportunity for you guys to to develop this unique work ethic that is in there it's in there eli and and the best companies on this planet small or large were usually made at the f- at the back end of something that was a struggle right um, yeah. again I'm, i agree a hundred percent with what you said and and i know we're going a little bit off the subject but the truth is that i feel the same way uh let's put ex- uh covid 2020 uh as an mm-hmm. example uh, if you don't have a death in the family if you don't have like if even if you lost your job by the way but the truth is that uh, the friends that I have on Facebook or maybe the ones that I talked uh, uh, that I talked to, like they have this mindset of, oh, this is the worst year ever. I want this year to be over. I'm so hoping for 2021. And the fact is, again, if there is no deaths, right, if, 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 if even if you lost your job, the truth is that in my mentality, 
we even with this year to me there's more ups and downs mm -hmm. you know and and the thing is that if you didn't uh, make it happen in COVID or 20 again no death um the truth is that you're not gonna make it because mm -hmm. even maybe next year or in three years we don't have COVID, but there's will there will be something something's yeah. gonna happen and if you don't find a way to make it happen yourself you know what the, the COVID Abs wasn't the, the excuse to be I, honest no, with you know I, it, COVID's here, COVID's real, but at the end of the day, it's not going to live my, it's not going to make me um, operate in such a fear mechanism, if you will, that I'm not going to succeed. And, 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 you know, there were so many ugly things that happened within this country, the, the election, COVID, I'm not going to get into politics, what side anyone's on. But like I was telling people, like, uh, I'm going to do fine with Democrat or Republican money. Mm -hmm. I don't cash a blue or red dollar bill. I I cash a green dollar bill. <laughs> and and it, the sooner people realize how to maximize their value, then they become almost uh, in the workforce. If you're an employee, you become irreplaceable because you created such a value for yourself, right? Uh, I have some contractors that that said, no, I'll, you know, I'll rather collect unemployment than take a $300 pay cut. And then but the back of my mind, I'm like, what are you going to do when this dies down a bit or, or it becomes the norm? And then now you need a job. And now I look at you almost with disgust because you didn't want to man up. You, you were given a job opportunity. There's people out there that are dying, bro. They're dying to get a job. Yeah. And this there's three guys that said, you know what, you know, uh, I'd rather take unemployment. And it, nothing against unemployment. Once again, I'm not going to ruffle anyone's feathers, but if you are willing and able to work, if you have hands and feet and air in your lungs and the ability to breathe and the ability to think for yourself, get your ass to work, create some value for yourself, inspire others, impact a multitude, and eventually you'll be rewarded with the pay later. That's the problem with our society. We won't pay now, but you haven't shown me your value. No. Show me your value first and the pay follows. Yeah, and all that is yeah. with mindset. Yeah. I mean, as you know, I, I mean, I, I showed you the hair salon. I mean, you mm. can just imagine our business went down 40%. Yeah. Uh, I, uh, I have a full-time job. I was using that income to make sure that I still stay open. And you asked me, 2020 was the best year. Yeah, you yeah. Know? good. That's so, the way to do it. I mean, because the, the truth is, that, that's just the way the cookie crumbles. Yeah. I mean, it's it's up to you the way you want to see it. And I might be wrong. 2020 was the worst year for, for me ever. Mm -hmm. But by me just thinking that way, I can't lose, you know? Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. again, we'll, we'll get back to yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pero, señor, thank you for that. Um, I really appreciate um, you spreading the your knowledge around this topic. Let's go back to real estate. Mm -hmm. How long were you in the real as a real estate agent before you opened up your, your brokerage, your, your business? I, in Texas, you only have to be a real estate agent. Uh, at that time, it was five years, right? And I, I it, that was the mindset from day one. I wasn't going to be a realtor for too long. It was just going to be, I was, I was going to, I was going to be my own broker, my own, my own company. Uh, I was an investor be before I became a realtor. So I'm 40 years old. I've been investing for 20 years. I've been in the real estate market or real estate game for 20 years. So uh, half of my life, if you will, I've been, I've been doing this. Right. And, um, the, the idea that, um, once that time frame lapsed, I'm, I was going to become my own broker and owner. Uh, my first office was in a trailer. Um, uh, we had an office trailer. I moved my my brother from Phoenix. He had a great paying job. I think he was cracking six figures in Scottsdale or somewhere in Phoenix or Tepe, Arizona, somewhere around there in the Phoenix Metroplex. And he looked at me he's like, why am I in a lead, bro? I'm, I'm, 
I'm coasting. I'm doing great. I have my own condo. have my nice car. I'm making great money. Phoenix, life is great. And so I asked him to come back to to uh, El Paso without, you know, my we didn't have a, we had a, an office that was uh, uh, like kind of like a spotty trailer, if you will. And, and he went all in. And so that's kind of where we started. You know, we didn't, we didn't, I, I didn't believe in leasing a space at that time I wanted to own. So then I bought a foreclosed property on Montana. Um, and so that's kind of what started here in El Paso. But I was already buying a lot of property, different parts, you know, from Arizona, Nevada, California, Texas, all over Texas. And, but, um, I'm, I'm excited about it, man. The life, life is going to get even better now with all the, the unique circumstances that are circling around our country. They're just going to create more opportunities, I believe, in the real estate market, if you will. Nice. So since the beginning, you already had this mindset already that when you started, that was kind of going to be your, well, it was your goal. Uh, let me ask you, what are your thoughts on maybe uh, the people that have been in real estate for 10, 15, 20 years, and maybe they don't have that. I mean, of course, it's everyone's uh, choice to do it. They have their own reasons. But what is the common reason why they don't open their own thing after they have that experience? And maybe, you mean become a broker? Yes. You know, it's not for everyone. Uh, the I, I think some people could do very well becoming a high-producing individual agent under a brokerage, Eli, and do very well. And nothing's wrong with that. Nothing's wrong with that. Um, but it's not for everyone. There's a lot of liability. It's expensive to become a broker. You carry all the blame, sometimes very little of the glory. Um, and you have to spend time training and mentoring the right people, firing and hiring. And so that takes those line items that I just spit out right now for you. It's not what you guys see on Instagram. It's not what you guys see on HGTV. It's not the glam of closing a deal. It's the back end stuff that a lot of you may not, you may be good at closing a deal, but you you may suck at training someone or inspiring another person. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So it's not for everyone. Um, some people are actually better at just leading than they are producing. So thankfully, thankfully, I like doing both. Um, but uh, yeah, that's one of the reasons why I I think why people don't and also fear too. It's not it's one thing to to be a good agent. It's another thing to be a broker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and it's funny how we're now talking specific about uh, becoming a broker and all that, but the same thing applies to everything, right? Absolutely. Everything else. Senor, before I ask you specific questions on the El Paso market, how big is your company? I know that you don't focus a lot on having many agents. Mm-hmm. You focus on the quality of that. Mm-hmm. But I'm just curious, how big is your company right now? We have 22 agents. I have 22 agents uh, outside of my staff. Uh, and we're about to have... Uh, we are getting another agent in Austin. We just uh, just finished picking up an agent in Austin, which was before Christmas. We had our conference call. She said that she's gonna she's all coming on board. So I'm gonna be flying to Austin uh, with my team, with my leadership team, to to try to have uh, an onboarding process for them. And so that my company is gonna be uh, opening up shop in Austin, uh, which is great. Um, probably have two more recruits in Austin lined up, and then. I have three more new agents that are coming on board within the next month. So if all works out by the end of February, I think I'll have maybe a total of 28 agents, 27 agents. Wow, so Mm -hmm. thank you. What do you look for when you hire someone? Uh, First thing I look for is humbleness, man. They they, they gotta be willing to help and serve everyone around them. Our, Our 
our company is very unique in the sense that you know we're not perfect and and there's a lot of mistakes there's a lot of veterans and there's a lot of rookies and whatnot and it's a good mix right but i want someone who's willing to to help their brother or their sister within the company right i i, I think that real estate can get very selfish and very catty and very me 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 um whereas our company is about us 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 you need me to help you we'll do it like right now as we were starting uh one of my airbnbs was having trouble one of my awesome agents uh he went over there to go open the the press because i can't go i'm with you i can't so they 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 went they went out of the way on a saturday the day after christmas to go ahead and do it that's the kind of people that we bring on board they got to be selfless and because of that then they get rewarded they really do get rewarded by I take care of them. Um, not only that, but uh, I think I'm also looking for a creative individual, someone who has a problem stuck in their face and they're able to solve it without me uh, rescuing them every time. I want problem solvers, not problem creators. Um, I'm also looking for someone who who is willing to be big on converting on the phone and not be fearful of that. Uh, I like it when a person... I could say, here, go ahead and take my call. It's my phone here. Take my call. And they're like, okay, let's bring it. And even if they suck, I, I'm not looking for perfect. I'm looking for someone who, who has the courage, right? Absolutely. And obviously wanting to learn. Absolutely. And all that. Mm -hmm. Wow. When I was reading one of, um, watching one of your podcasts, I remember the, by, uh, at that time, which wasn't a long time ago, you only had 13. Mm -hmm. So now hearing mm -hmm. you kind of like um, how you have expanded and, and mm -hmm. your plans. I mean, that's very impressive. Um, related to that, but not really, I'm just very curious to be mm -hmm. honest with you. What is your take on real estate agents that buy their, let's say their Instagram followers? <sighs> that's a good question. I, I, yeah, yeah I, I, need, I need some vino for that one. But um, you know what, to each their own, Eli. I, 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 yeah, um, I think it was a craze that, was, that started. I would say you probably would know more about this than me because I'm not overly big on on that, but um, I would say maybe started like a couple of years ago, people were starting to do that. But I haven't done that just because um, uh, I don't have a lot of followers, but I think the people that I do have, they appreciate the content that I give them. And so if you're able to do it and you buy followers, but then keep the followers by giving good content, well, the sky's the limit, right? Um, I don't even know if that's even possible anymore. Can you still buy followers? Um, I don't. I don't know about that. And and the reason why this question just came up, well, I was thinking about this is that I, I follow a couple of, of realtors, and you can see fifteen, twenty thousand. But then you see the engagement. That's wh mm. where you can check. And to be honest with you, again, I don't judge. Mm. I personally wouldn't uh, want to uh, do business with someone that's already faking someone to begin with. Mm. Even though maybe they're really good at whatever mm. they do, but in my opinion, and mm -hmm. the things is again yeah. the way I think I wouldn't. But again, uh, if, if it works for them, yeah, of course, yeah, we, yeah. we have to respect that. But then having, again, as, as the real estate world is, is a lot of competition out there. So maybe that's kind of like what they're trying to do to beat the competition. But the fact but is, really, in my opinion, it's not. Yeah, it, 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 it's, you're talking about engagement, right? So let's say you have 10,000 followers and then you post something and, and, and it less than 10% of your, of your followers like it or engage in it well then just by the numbers per se it looks good on the follower side but not enough people are, are showing up to the concert you yeah know yeah, yeah that not enough people are showing up to your concert if you will so i mean you know he, here's the thing man when it comes to social media now like i like i said i'm not the expert on that but i'll tell you what kind of 
people I'm gravitated to on YouTube because I'm always listening to YouTube and podcast or or different stories or whatnot. I I, I don't ever look at the followers. I am looking at uh, what can I learn? What nugget can I pick up? Ooh, I like that quote. Damn, I, I, I didn't think about it that way. You know what? I was doing that, but I haven't looked at it this way. And so um, if you're able, and it doesn't matter on age, I don't really care how old the person is, if they could be 22 or they could be 65, as long as you're, I'm able to learn something from you, I'm going to be engaged. But if it's the same, same old thing, same old stuff, then you know, I, I wouldn't be able to do it. I wouldn't be able to do it. So no, no, no. Well, thank you for sharing that, sir. I want to talk about the El Paso market, if you don't mind. Is it still crazy right now? I know we've been, what, pandemic, eight months, nine months? I don't even know now. Yeah, you know, it, it, it's, I, I think people are over it. I think just people in the country are over it. They're trying to, you know, normalize themselves a little bit better. And then you have this certain group that's really apprehensive with still doing anything. And that's okay. Uh, you have to respect all sides. As far as the real estate market's concerned, it's still pretty hot. Um, especially if you're a seller, if you're a seller, I would suggest you ride the coattails of this crazy, unique market called the COVID market, where you're just going to get a number thrown at you and hopefully it sticks to the wall and it's going to be something a lot higher than what you normally would get in a regular paced market. Um, just because of the reduction of sellers. Um, now you have uh, inventory of buyers because of interest rates being so low that you're going to be able to get a stronger buyer, if you will. And so uh, I don't believe interest rates are going to be that low, sustainably that low for a long time. We've been spoiled rotten for, for many years. You know, talking about this administration and the previous administration, we have been spoiled with pretty low interest rates. Um, I don't think they're going to stay that low forever. It's, it's, it's a Band-Aid, you know, just so that we could pump a, a, a steroid shot, if you will, into our economy so that more home buyers can occur. So if you're thinking about selling, you know, that old cliche, the best time is now, isn't that realtors were lying. But now it really is. Now, they're, the, now, they're, now the, the truth is now is the best time because you're going to get the most money. You're going to get above asking on your on your property if it's looked like it's in decent condition you'll be able to get a, a solid price tag thrown your way nice doesn't it though backfire what well again if you have multiple properties and you want to just sell them i mean it makes perfect sense mm -hmm. but most people um and correct me if i'm wrong it's about selling their house but they want to buy another house mm -hmm. and even though the market it's really hot but also again the competition so selling is good but it's also buying a, a good idea right now you know i'm i'm probably gonna ruffle some people in my industry when i say this but i don't think buying right now is the best thing um they will say yes because interest rates are low but eli that's just elementary stuff for me at this point right you're talking about like interest rates are low and that's your only banana peel that you're peeling to make it a, a, a good edible product no there has to be other, why else is it a good reason to buy right now? I don't see many other reasons outside of the interest rate being low. You're competing with more buyers. These buyers are hungrier and they're throwing crazy money at it, right? So the name of the game for me, once again, I'm a, I'm a different breed. I'm, I, you would say old school breed. The name of the game for me that I was taught is you make your money on the purchase, not on the sale. And if I'm if I'm overbuying on the purchase, then I have to be forced to sell high on the back end when I sell it, right? So there's no room for mistake. So that was why for me, as an investor or even as a normal home buyer, 
um, you have to buy wisely. I'm not, I'm not, just, guys, I don't, my audience out there, I don't want to lose all my buyers. Ahorita, let's cancel that contract. No, 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 no. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is, you know, once again, if, you're, if your family's already bursting at the seams and your, your home's too small, then you got to buy a home, take advantage of the low interest rate, right? But if you're talking about financially, like me, if I didn't have any worries, if I had any kids, any bills, um, we're overpaying in today's market because you're competing. I, I, one of my one of my former football players, he's a pharmacist, and uh, we made offers on six, seven, eight homes. We were making above asking. It's just insane. I think one of them we were like a ten thousand, fifteen thousand dollars above asking, and I didn't think the home was worth ten to fifteen thousand dollars. But we needed a place. You see what I'm saying? And so that's why you, you, it, it depends. And my answer would be like, it depends. Like, it depends on your family. If you need, because you, you had a birth in the family, or you need a home, right? But if those circumstances don't exist for you, then just make sure you buy wisely and just stick to your number. Don't, 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 don't go to a place that would just put you in a bad position. Nice. Well, thank you, Rick, for sharing that. Let's go back to the real estate industry as a whole. Um, I have several friends that recently started uh, in the world of real estate maybe six months, maybe even some a year or even two after quitting their, their long time job, right? Mm -hmm. So that just, they're doing really good, by the way, so they're on their, mm -hmm. on their, on their the, the, the way they're working, I'm not a, an expert at all, but you can see when someone's mm -hmm. putting in the work, so that's pretty good for them. Now, my question to you is, why the real estate industry is so appealing to people? It's sexy now, man. It, it it's TV got involved, and, and and it's a sexy thing. You got these flipping channels, HGTV, Bravo, Million Dollar Listing, and it just became a sexy thing, and it became a glam thing. And you know, you got selling, uh, what was it selling Sunset or I don't know the LA one. There, so, but it's not like that though, man. <laughs> it's not, man. I, I I flipped a home in LA, and my the contractor that flipped. Uh, that you, uh, we used was uh, on uh, he's, he was one of the contractors on flip or flop right and and uh, he would tell me that you know tv is not the way it really the show really plays out like they would have like a small spot of let's say mold in in in, in the wall and it's something that he could easily just go ahead and do this do that to it and then the problem would be gone but the the tv would be like no 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 let's wait till this and create the da 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 moment right and so real estate doesn't operate that way. And also like when, like in the real estate world where they force the agents on TV to see each other, to negotiate and go back and forth and fight like girls, fight like back and forth and have drama, that really doesn't happen in the real estate world. You're doing everything through texting or phone calls, right? So um, it's a facade, it's not real. The numbers when you're seeing them on the flipper, like flipping channels, like, wow, they made a $100,000 profit. Well, the numbers that you're seeing for the people that don't know, they're gross numbers. They're not net numbers. They're not going through the true numbers of all the closing costs. They're only doing some of the closing costs. They're not doing everything. They're not doing like if it's a private lending or this or that. And so the true numbers would be substantially smaller. Okay, so it's cool, but it's not as glamorous as you think. Okay, so that's why, and I think social media has made it even more glamorous. That's we have to we have to do that. So that's why I think it's a cool thing, guys. Yeah, I, I still love my field, though, man. I love it. I love it. But 
That's but you, I mean, you agree with me that a lot of people are just uh, appealing the commission, unlimited commission, mm -hmm. I guess. And also looking at a local level, um, what I think, and, and I might be wrong, is that a lot of um, real estate agents, they put their cars, always dress up nicely. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, and, and, and of course, maybe some people can think that, oh, I want that lifestyle. I want that. We don't know the backstory or if they're doing it just because it's social yeah. media. Yeah. And maybe that's kind of like when, when maybe they're thinking about what they should do next uh, with their careers with their lives maybe that's why it's appealing mm -hmm. as well yeah you, you know it, it's um our our field um can be extremely lucrative and you are the creator of your own cap of your own ceiling right like if i literally want to say i want to close x amount of deals i'm going to be able to do that right but the um the reason why I love real estate is not necessarily because of commissions or me even being a broker and collecting a percentage off of my agent's commissions. It's more the retirement plan through passive income and owning property or owning real estate assets. So my advice to any person, younger person, or any agent who's, or any person who's already agent in El Paso or across the country is like, we need to practice what we preach. If we are are the gatekeepers or, or the ones who are, are promoting home ownership, right? And promoting people to invest and doing all that. We need to be leading at the forefront. I, I, as, as leaders in the industry, like if someone tells me this is a great investment, a realtor, as a buyer, I wanna know why is that a good investment? Just because it's a duplex, it's a good investment? No, that's stupid. You, just because a duplex or a triplex has tenants, that makes it a good investment, that's even more stupid. Tell me why. Is there a good capitalization rate? Is there is your is there a cash on cash return? Is are you is the cash flow good? Th that's when you're speaking now, the language of retirement, right? And so I think a lot of our realtors are. We need to get to deeper levels of of understanding, um, and we need to promote us to be the leaders of home ownership. We need to be us buying the property so that way when we have buyers are like well he's he's doing it he's doing it i'm gonna listen the, you know, the proof is in the pudding i'm gonna go ahead and do it because depreciating assets like cars and stuff that's good and that validates a bit but you know it, it, it doesn't mean that you're you have a good retirement account <laughs> i like how we're already getting to the technical stuff so let me ask my next question for you sir what is one common mistake real estate agents make Starting out, mm -hmm. uh, not saving money, man. Uh, they, there's. Let's say you get, Eli. Let's say you get um, two or three good deals, and you're not used to receiving that kind of commission. Let's say you're used to ten, fifteen dollars an hour in your previous job, and then all of a sudden you become a realtor and you close two or three deals, and you hit fifteen thousand dollars. It's shock. What do you do? spend it yeah. right so they spend it instead of reinvesting back into their business plan reinvesting back into their marketing reinvesting back into putting money into their systems into a database a crm uh getting a team together um postcards every whatever it is to reinvest back into your company or your individual plan i think that's the biggest thing um and i think uh, uh the next mistake if you will is i'm going to get technical here is if for any agents who's listening out there and i do this all the time with my agents is there's two types of ways um that you could get lost in real estate and one of them is a good thing and the other one's not not good there's the income servicing and there's income producing and an income servicing event is where you have a client, you already have it home under contract, and and 
and you're spending half of the time on the day writing contracts, calling inspectors, doing the repairment, stuff that is boring but is necessary. But that's an income ser servicing event. Whereas in 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 um in the other aspect, you're talking about income producing, calling and meeting people, putting yourself in front of someone new, um, writing an offer. Those are income producing events. So there's a very big distinction. You want to be calling more and less writing contracts. And so many times we get so lost. Oh, we got a contract. We got a contract. We got a contract. And then they have to baby it and nurture it and dale leche, you know, water the plants. And they get so bogged down on that one client, but they don't realize that that client's already going to close in 30, 45 days. So you got to put that client on autopilot with great customer service, but on autopilot check up on them. This is what you got to do. Boom, 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 autopilot. But you should be already searching for new clients. And that that's a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. Being more efficient with your time, Absolutely. which is going to produce Absolutely. more income. Mm -hmm. Okay. That makes sense. Now, senor, for the average person, how can someone tell a good agent from a bad agent? Uh, they're bringing some knowledge to you right away, man, whether it be the neighborhood or whatever the case may be. I mean, I'll give you an example. It's a perfect question that you just asked me like uh, earlier part in the day. I'm, I don't really focus a lot of buyers anymore at this point in my career, but every so often, just so I could you know, sharpen up my skills, always trying to sharpen my sword, I'll take a buyer here or there, especially if it's a referral. Um, this particular buyer was an investor from out of town. Once it's an investor, I love doing that because I'm an investor myself. And they were coming, they wanted to buy a property in the historic part of Central El Paso. Well, that's my bread and butter, man. That's where my office is at. I love that. And so uh, I was competing. I didn't know I was competing with another agent. He's like, well, another agent's going to show us a home right after you. I said, yo, yo, this is not how I do business. I told him why, you know, long story short. So I, I'm like, okay, so, so be it. I'm, I'm, I'm game. Let's compete. I'm going to show you this home. After I meet with you on this home, you're going to want to fire your, the, the person that you thought it was going to be. He's like, you're that confident. He's like, oh, yes, I'm that confident. He's like, where I asked him, where's the other home at? He said, the other home's also in Central Pass. I'm like, oh, this is a done deal. So we went there. And once while you're asking the question, how can you tell? Um, he started asking me about crawl space. He started asking me about sediment traps. He started asking me about things that the normal agent necessarily wouldn't understand unless you have bought property in that specific area, Eli, which I have. So I literally walked him through what are the pitfalls that he's going to face in his budget plan. This is exactly how much he's going to spend. Don't spend money here. Spend money here. Double down here. Boom, 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 boom. He walked away with a notebook of knowledge in 30 minutes, and he called his, the other person and said, look, man, I'm not going to get anything from you. You're, you're just going to show me a home. This guy's already given me a, a, a thorough plan. And I feel he probably gave me too much information because I'm probably not going to buy this home. And I was all in on this home. And so I'd, I, I could have closed that, that home. But because of the information I gave him, I told him it wasn't a good deal. And he appreciated that. I could have closed my commission. I could have closed. The knowledge and Absolutely. the honesty behind that. Absolutely. Yeah. Let me tell you about my experience. I bought my house six years ago. And I remember the first real estate agents that were helping me with that. Um, I, this is something that bothered me a lot. We went to, to, to see houses, but their main focus was, oh yeah, you can put a round table here. You can put a, 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 I don't know, a, a trampoline in the backyard. Mm -hmm. And to be honest, we, I don't need no one tell me how yeah. I decorate my house. I yeah. need the facts on, on the taxes, yeah. 
on on I don't know foot traffic. I mean, there's so many other things that I was worried about. But the fact that you focused, it wasn't just one house because I mm. I get it. Maybe hey, by the way, you can do this. That's fine. Mm. But it was just the main focus on that. So I eventually got someone else that mm. again uh, asked me questions at first, which assessing, making sure that they do their discovery mm. to find out what are what's important to me. And then we went into the houses, and obviously they take a they they that person took a different approach, and um, that's how that's again uh, in my experience how I was able to tell the difference between just someone. And I know you said this, and when and when I heard this on on a, uh, on a podcast, I was like, you're absolutely right that anyone can open a lockbox. Absolutely, absolutely, and anyone can open a house. The difference is once that house is open, game on. You could tell if someone knows what they're talking about. And that's the difference. And that's why I'm thinking like, if you are very good with social media, embrace it, you're gonna ride the coattails of social media success in our market. But to sustain it, you gotta bring knowledge. You gotta bring some content and you gotta bring some valuable information that your clients could walk away with. And honestly, guys, let's get away from the real estate side of it. This is just in general with mm -hmm. businesses is, um, uh, like if, if someone tells me, Rick, can you analyze a, a, a medical clinic? Can you analyze a barbershop? I could do, I could analyze any business and figure out a way. I don't know how to cut hair. I don't know how to treat patients. I don't know any of that. But what I do know is that if I were to touch base with a business owner, I could figure out ways where they are overexerting themselves because I've been in that position where as a business owner, you overexert yourself. And I could figure out ways where I could leverage them, them so that they could maybe replicate a cheaper version of them. Therefore, they could spend the majority of their time in creativity and acquisition and bigger operational roles, right? And when people do that, uh, then you see growth, right? It's the, I call it the puberty phase. Puberty is kind of awkward for teenagers. We were ugly as you know, teenagers were like in the awkward phase. We start getting pimples and stuff like that, right? And so it's that puberty growth for the small businesses. Like we all know that we do a better job as business owners that probably our employees, but you're not gonna grow and retire that way, right? So the way to grow and retire is to bring leaders amongst your staff and your personnel and the people around you, your vendors. And when you do that, you're going to start seeing some awkward growth because you're going through puberty, right? If you will, but eventually, eventually your ultimate plan starts kind of leveling out. And then you're like, okay, I see the light at the end of the tunnel. Still a lot of mistakes, but I still see the light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. And that makes sense. Cause it's, again, not only the real estate industry, mm -hmm. every industry that you have to do your homework, you have to make sure that you know what you're doing and they're always going to be the good people, the bad people, the average person. So again, that makes a lot of sense. Um, let's move on to um, something as I was thinking of what questions I should ask Rick. I mean, you have a vast um, knowledge and experience. Um, I eventually want to uh, have a real estate agent, a female real estate mm -hmm. agent. But when I was thinking on the real estate industry, it seems to me, it is my opinion, and please, again, correct me if I'm wrong, mm -hmm. that there is a slight advantage being a female in mm -hmm. the real estate world, uh, again, when leveraging social mm -hmm. media, mm -hmm. because even be, uh, before they start their social media account, they already have 2,000 followers, especially if they're pretty, especially mm -hmm. if they're young, they'll have that. So I'm like, oh, I wonder if this is maybe one of the few, if not, again, uh, one of the industries that they have an advantage over men when they leverage social media. Well, let's let's backtrack a little bit, man. I, I think as men, we've we've had a 
unfair advantage in the workforce with pay and whatnot, historically speaking, as a former history teacher, and this hasn't been right. Um, I think women have done such an amazing job to really fight with grit to get equality, uh, get, uh, and they've earned everything that they've had. Uh, um, so I'll start off with that. Now, when we're talking about social media, we are in a different era now. You know, um, social media, if used correctly, like can, I mean, can make, can make you great success. And so uh, I think if you were to put like, um, where can a person gain, gain an advantage from? Well, you're either gotta be funny, right? You got to be smart. You got to be attractive. Uh, I mean, fill me in on some of them. What are your, what are some of the attributes that that create a large movement within social media? It's it's it's, it's those attributes, right? You got to be funny. Uh, you got to be goofy. You got to look good. You got to dress good. Um, uh, so, or you got to bring knowledge. So, if you're want, as you're thinking about jumping into maybe my career or any other career, touch on one of those. You could be the funny realtor. You could be the hot realtor. You could be the intelligent realtor. But at the end of the day, all that should fall under the umbrella of bringing content. Always. No matter how attractive you are as a male or as a female. I know you, you were focusing on the female side, but it doesn't matter. At, like, can you gain an advantage to answer your question? Yes, I really do. But I think you could sustain it even further if you provide the content. I mean, I'm... I, it's just a unique field that you were you're talking about glam right they're gonna put they're never gonna put a guy that doesn't know how to dress on million dollar listing they're just not gonna do it they're not gonna put even though a guy in wrangler jeans and looks sloppy but is super smart could probably do it people don't want to see that dude they just don't want to see that they want to see they want to see glam and, and and glitz and all that other stuff so um i think you're part you're you're right on point but i also think that um that goes with men or female to, to begin with. Uh, I, I think if you know how to play the cards right and make it something glamorous and make it cool and make it hip, uh, I think you, you'll be able to hit it. Yeah, and I agree with you because they might have more views, but if they can't capitalize with that and they don't have anything else, I mean, that's something mm -hmm. else that we have to also check. Mm -hmm. Rick, uh, now that um, I have you on, I need to ask some, some questions about investing, right? Mm -hmm. I know you're big on Airbnb, rentals, mm -hmm. Uh, flips. Um, I I mean, I, I have known this for a long time, and I'm sure you agree with this, that the vast majority of real wealth comes in, uh, when, in real estate, of course. So my question to you is, when it comes to Airbnbs, rental, flipping houses, if someone is new to investing in real estate, mm -hmm. uh, what's the easier route or, the, or, or maybe the way to start investing? Well, get connected with someone. Number one, you got to get connected. I would say build your team. Your team is going to be, you know, a real estate agent or a real estate professional or broker or someone I would prefer you if you know if you're going to be doing something like this go with someone who has invested before that they have some investment experience just because they're a licensed agent doesn't mean that they're a qualified agent for your plans once again uh, finding a home is different than actually finding an investment type of deal okay they're able to analyze deals correctly they're able to put you in contact with the right contractors you guys are able to develop a budget um, to keep you on task because anyone can make a home pretty with an unlimited budget but that's not the way real estate works real estate is making a home look pretty within a confinement of a budget and so 
uh, I would say making sure you have a real estate professional, uh, have a contractor in line, making sure that later on you have a CPA or an, an accountant. Um, but if you are saying you you just want to get started, um, there's different ways in which you can do it. Wholesaling is one of them. Wholesaling, you don't necessarily need a license for wholesaling. All it is is that you find a distressed property, um, and you, you put it under contract or under an assignment deal, which is what it's called, and then, and then you find an investor to buy that deal for you so in essence you're marrying the the distressed seller let's say a bankruptcy a death in the family a divorce uh, 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 a property that hasn't been that has been neglected and they need to sell fast right well then the wholesaler comes in and says here's my offer let's say I offer you sixty thousand dollars you're someone in your family passed away or divorce or bankruptcy you're a distressed seller so you you sell that property you say, yeah, I'll, I'll get rid of it for 60. Well, then me as a wholesaler then goes and finds an investor and the investor, I sell it to him for 65. So the difference or the spread, if you will, 60 to 65 is 5,000. Me as a wholesaler, I collect 5,000 and the uh, investor buys out the, buys the property for 65. You know, they pay you off and they pay me off and they buy it for 65. And I didn't spend one single penny as a as a on that deal as a wholesaler how can i find an investor if i'm not if i don't know people that are looking to invest that's the thing though like the people think the process is easy but it's a slow process right you, you're gonna have to, don't worry about finding the investor you like find the property the, the property is is because if you find a good property that has good meat and potatoes you're talking about like it has good margins for profit uh you already know one person that probably will buy it. That's me, right? You know, all you have to do is put it on the social media, on your story. Hey guys, I have a property that's uh, um, uh, I'm selling for 65. Uh, I think it's worth 125 when it's when it's renovated. DM me if you're interested, and the the cash buyers are gonna come. You see what I'm saying? I see what you mean now. Yeah. So like, it, it's kind of like Noah's Ark. If you build it, people will come. <laughs> yeah, and it's interesting how you said that it all depends on the property because based on the property now you can think about Airbnb as well, Absolutely. flipping the house depending on, yep. on the on the type of house you find and also the rentals, right? Do you have a preference on any of those? Uh, right, like I said, you know, there's air, there's wholesalers. These are people who necessarily don't have the capital per se. I, they may have the capital. I don't want to discredit wholesalers who necessarily don't have the full capital to buy a, a property outright. So they assign it and then they collect their small fee or their large fee, right? And then you have the investors who all they do is they buy property cash or they use hard money lending or private lending to acquire property and then they flip it. And then you have the, the investors who like to hold property and acquire a rental portfolio, right, with one-year tenants. But then the new field is that, and you put a little wrinkle with Airbnb. And I have just literally switched the majority of my portfolio to the Airbnb space because uh, the reason why is very simple, and I'll just be nerdy, but for one second, I'll just say, look. Go for it, and if you don't yeah. mind also explaining uh, what, if maybe someone's not familiar yeah. with what an Airbnb, I know I use those a lot when I travel yeah. um, outside the, the country, but for someone sure. maybe not familiar, sure, sure. can you tell us what that Absolutely. is Absolutely, an, an Airbnb is, is kind of like a hotel, but it's your home, right? So let's say if a person owns a home and they, they want to rent it out, but they don't want to rent it out on a one-year tenant, like the traditional way to, to a one-year tenant. Um, so you rent it out on a daily basis. So let's say you're traveling to San Diego 
and you you have a home, but you're not living in that home anymore. You're living in D.C., but you still have a home that you kept in San Diego. And so you rent that, rent that out on, on a site called Airbnb. That's the name of the company or the name of the site. Um, and then you, you rent it out on a daily basis, let's say for 100 to $200 a night. And my family, let's say, rents it out for five nights at $200. So now I'm paying you $1,000 for my five-day trip. And that's way more than I would get with a one month on, of having a, a tenant that's in the place. So th that's the advantage. The clear advantage to having a, uh, a rental portfolio through Airbnb is that you are getting an enormous amount more on income because you're charging a higher daily rate. And for the consumer, still cheaper most of the time than a hotel. Absolutely. And I don't sometimes it's not necessarily cheaper. It is, you're right. But also the convenience factor. You're in a home. You're putting mm. your family in a home. They're not in a hotel. So if your mom is like my mom that likes to cook, she, she can do that, right? Um, so that it creates that ambiance. And sometimes people want to stay in, t in an Airbnb that's close to their aunt or uncle or their family member that they're visiting, mm. right? So that's why it provides for convenience. Whereas a lot of hotels are in a commercial zone sector. Sometimes they're not by residential markets. So therefore it puts them in a drive away. So that's why Airbnb has really taken a unique storm because I could get an Airbnb, like right now I just, I just purchased another uh, uh, Airbnb property in my hometown and, 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 and well, it's not, Airbnb, I made it into an Airbnb um, and it's, two minutes walking from my old home when I grew up in, in, in Anthony. And I love that. Who would have thought that this poor kid, like now I have an Airbnb, so that what did I just do? Yeah, great. People are gonna be staying in a commuter town. Why Anthony, who cares? But cr people traveling from cruises that wanna shop into El Paso or whatever the case, now I, I, I give them a one-stop shop, like middle of the ground shop. Uh, you know, between El Paso and, and Cruces, Anthony is a perfect spot. So I'm that's I'm banking it on that vision, right? And the idea that whenever I have my family coming in from out of town and they can't stay all at my mom's house, but they want to be close to my mom, instead of staying on my Airbnb properties in El Paso, they want to be closer. They're two minutes away and they could stay on my Airbnb property. Wow, it makes sense. Now, is there such demand for Airbnbs in El Paso? Yes, I learned that through. Um, being one of the newer ones in, in the space. Uh, when I was doing my analysis, kind of like a normal realtor does market analysis when they're looking at helping a client sell their home, um, there wasn't enough data in the Airbnb space. Um, but I knew my city. I knew my city's not like Miami or New York or Chicago or LA, that they're destination spots and people travel to destination spot. El Paso is not a destination spot, if you will. But El Paso is big on family, Eli. People travel to El Paso to see their family, and we travel in droves here, and we love to, you know, convivir con la gente y, y, y tener amistad con nuestra familia. So, all those things lended me to believe, like I, I, I need to double down on this. And then also, people here in El Paso, we don't, we don't have to tr like think very far to know that we know one person, two people, or three people that go to Juarez to go for to just shop or they'll go to Juarez for, for the dentist for the or, dentist yeah. or the doctor or stuff like that. And so uh, I was I was banking on that and, 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 it, and it played out. And and then I only got hit with COVID, the COVID slowdown during March in my Airbnb. Like I got hit with a strong Mike Tyson uppercut in the face for three weeks because there was no travel around the world, right? But then when that opened up, I just revamped the way I marketed my Airbnbs, and then I started marketing more to the healthcare professionals. 
and it paid off in dividends because travel nurses, especially since El Paso wasn't, they weren't with, with what was going on with COVID, uh, people from all over the country were traveling to El Paso to help, thankfully. And and they were booking a lot of my uh, Airbnb properties and for long-term stays. Yeah, and now that I think about it, they are even more comfortable staying at a mm -hmm. house, right? Mm -hmm. In a house instead of maybe at a hotel yeah. that there's poor people, yeah. more chance of you know getting sick or something. Yeah, they, they, usually they would travel in, in teams of two or three or four, so they would stay in my Airbnbs and they felt comfortable because they knew the person that they were they were staying with, and it just made sense for them. Like I have I have an apartment building where eighty percent of the people that are occupying my apartment building are travel nurses, and at first, the majority of my Airbnb people were traveling. And through that apartment building. So now it's just, it's weird how it's shifted. And that's because I adapted. I adapted my my business plan. And I didn't, instead of saying, oh man, woe is me, where this sucks and I need a bailout. Uh -uh, I'm just going to revamp the way I'm thinking and I'm going to target a different audience. So. So now let me ask you, um, in the subject of investing and all that, are the, the people that, or the ads maybe that, um, not that guarantee, but um, they advertise investing property for zero money. Is that real? Is that not real? Is that possible but hard? What is that about investing property with zero money? Well, there's one of them is referring to a loan and the other one's referring to uh, wholesaling. Um, when you see those signs on the street or on the freeway or, or in major cross streets that say we buy houses cash, uh, that's usually a wholesaler um, who's looking for a distressed seller in a distressed situation. And they want, they, they're looking to rightfully and legally so capitalize on an opportunity for them. And they will, they will then refer that to an investor themselves. A lot of times they, the wholesaler can also be an, an, a full-blown investor that they have, they have their own money and whatnot. So that's what, when you see those signs, we call those signs in the real estate world, we call those signs bandit signs. Bandit signs are out there. We buy houses cash, we buy houses in any condition, we close in seven days. All those are great opportunities for a wholesaler and investor. And then the other side is what you're talking about is a loan, like when you say, you know, 0% down program and whatnot. I'm not a huge fan of those. I'm not a huge fan of the zero down um, for a lot of reasons. Uh, uh, you're going into a situation where you have zero equity. Yeah, you go in with zero down, that's it's easy, but uh, you didn't earn it, right? And so for me, uh, whenever there's a shift in your life that happens, job growth, job layoff, death, uh, whatever, whatever the case may be, job relocation, there's that major shift that everyone goes through if that shift happens sooner than later, you're going to have a, a a loan where you don't have a lot of equity on your home because you went in with 0% down. So I, what I try to do is educate my client, educate my consumer so that they could understand why having some equity position is more important than going in with 0% down. If you, especially if you're just going to be a homeowner. If you're going to be an investor, then that we'll, we'll have a different topic on that. But if you're going to be a homeowner and you're going to go with 0% down, I try to educate you as to why there's other options where you could really, because in case you are forced to move a year and a half from now, you're not going to have any equity. And so when you're selling your property on the back end, closing costs, commissions, transfer titles, everything, you're going to be in the red because you went in with 0% down. Nice. Well, Senor, thank you so much for yeah. giving me all those technical yeah. stuff. Yeah. I was really... Again, I, I, I know real wealth comes from, from mm -hmm. real estate, so it was very important to ask those questions because I know a lot of, at least my friends are also thinking and getting into that. But again, it's, it's a lot of, uh, of things mm -hmm. out there, even though uh, we cover a lot, but I think that that was just maybe 
just a small thing yeah, of, yeah, the, yeah, of, yeah. of the pie, right? Senor, before I go into my other subject, um, this is something as I was checking you out on social media, I thought it was so cool how you posted when your agents would, uh, uh, in, in your company, that they were also uh, having investment properties for mm -hmm. themselves. Mm -hmm. I thought that's, that's so cool. It's not about only getting profit from there and from mm -hmm. them selling houses, mm -hmm. but uh, making sure that they are also, again, equipped for getting that, um, the money what we talked about, which is the passive income mm -hmm. and also learning more of what you're doing. So I thought that was really cool. Love that. It's, it's kind of almost a, a thing for our company we cannot just be real estate agents. I, I want, eventually we're going to get tired of closing a commission deal, man. And, and there's nothing more beautiful than waking up and you have a few properties under your belt, whether it be one or two, or whether it be 15 or 20. And, and you're at your mom's house eating buñuelos. And then you're like, you get an alert that says, Oh, someone booked your property or your rent just came in from this property and you're eating at your, the comfort of your mom's house. That, I love that. I, I, I absolutely. But not only you love that for yourself, but absolutely. you want to share the wealth. That, that just and so, and so when, when, whenever we talk about to our agents, I'm like, this is, you're going to get tired of closing commissions. Mm -hmm. I promise you that because you can't be everywhere. You're, you're not omniscient. You're not omnipresent. You're not like, you know, the, the creator of heavens and earth. So you can't be everywhere at every time. So as a result, you have to figure out ways where you could leverage yourself and therefore get some passive income. So we really promote that. It's part of our culture, be an investor, be an investor, because then that puts you in a better mindset even for to be a regular realtor, because then you're not overly as stressed out to be like, I gotta close this one deal. No, if you have a bad month, you have earned passive income that's gonna come to you. And then that puts you in a better mood and the energy then feeds off of it and you're able to close some regular deals. And then that helps out even the morale, like knowing that it's not only an eight to five, even though it's not an eight to five, but it's just not another company, mm -hmm. another job. Um, they, they see you vested in their success, not mm -hmm. only again, bringing in money for the company, but for their own success. Mm -hmm. So I just thought that was really cool when I, when I mm -hmm. saw that senor. So kudos to you. Congrats on that, by the way. Now talking about the agents that you have, what's the hardest part of dealing with so many agents in your company? Uh, you're like a mom or dad, you know, now I understand what my mom and dad, like she, you know, whenever, I, I don't know, being part of a Mexican family, like my, my mom, she still forgets her name. She's like, tu Ricardo, tu David, tu Saul, tu. Oh, yeah. and then you're, yeah. you're, I'm like, she's spitting out different names. And I, sometimes I'm like, man, that's what, that's how I feel. Sometimes you, if you are an active leader in any sector, I'm not, you know, let's not just talk about the real estate world, but any sector, you're going to have people that are going to want to pick your brain and allowing that to take place is great because they learn but it also puts you in where your rhythm is choppy for the day because you're constantly feeding you're feeding people your knowledge you know that you're talking about the ops other people's effort other people's money other people's brain and so i'm there i'm constantly feeding other my, my brain to them or my energy to them my effort to them and and that's okay because i chose that life right the goal is if I feed enough to them, they will be able to replicate it and they will be able to compound it and then their success will grow from it. Right. And so, um, that is, that's, that's, that's a unique, unique thing as to why, um, I don't know there's, there's so many different types of personalities. I have an extrovert. He's just 
I mean, he he hears music in the office and he just starts dancing and he's the life of the party. Also, my brother, he's funny as heck. I, he should have been a comedian slash realtor. There's the different personalities. And then I have one of my other guys, you know, David, he's an introvert, but he's a closer and he gets the job done. And he's not afraid to pick up the phone and call. And no le da vergüenza para nada. And so it's just managing each person absolutely to every person, they're all right? different yeah you know i have some of my my females that that are high strung some of my females that that are not and you just have to navigate through all those unique personalities and it works it's fun what's the biggest challenge maybe that can be but right now owning your own brokerage company what's the biggest challenge that you have currently sir uh lack of time man lack of time is is is, is a tough thing like Uh, unfortunately, we're attached to this device so much. Um, it's hard if you are trying to be really successful in any one aspect of, of business or entrepreneurship is that uh, your phone, everything around, it, you're going to feel that you have no time. So the way I do it now is I, I have a very robotic uh, approach to life. I wake up at four religiously, um, the very latest 4.30, unless I've, I'm telling myself, I have to tell myself today I'm going to sleep in longer. So I have to like, it's like a reward for me. Whereas most people, they just, it's their norm. I'm just going to sleep in and be lazy ass. I'm just going to sleep in. For me, it's a reward almost, right? Because I, I, I feel that if I could get more done, because once again, my, for as a leader, your day starts getting choppy once the normal business day starts going in because you're start, you're, you start getting pulled in different directions from a lot of people. And so the way to offset that for me is I just wake up earlier. I have my me time. I, I'm in the gym by five, five thirty at the most, and I'm working out, getting my mind right. I meditate. I read. By the time I, I'm, I'm in the office, I'm already putting on podcasts, uh, three or four, five, six different podcasts before my first staff shows up. So by the time it's like eight thirty or nine 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 a.m. in the office, when people are starting to show up, I've already listened to maybe six podcasts of different things compounding interest uh how to learning create, something how new. to create more wealth through index fund investing uh new wrinkles in the airbnb industry how to be a better leader in the broker like there's something that i'm picking up so that way when my agents hear me talk they know i'm bringing it they know i'm, I'm prepared they know i care for their best interests. they know i care to bring them some knowledge um and so It's the lack of time, man. It's the, really the lack of time. Um, that's why you got to have a robotic approach to your day. You can't just very like, structured ah. as far as. Yeah. How long have you been uh, waking up early? So it sounds like it's been. Uh, it's it's been a while. Time. So you're talking. You're talking about. Uh, it's been like, 15, maybe 12 to 15 years. Okay, so it's that it's automatic now. Automatic. Um, what advice do you have for people, and this includes myself, that yeah, we read a podcast. I mean, we read a book, watch a podcast, and we do have that initial motivation to wake up early, uh -huh. to read a book, watch a, a podcast in the morning, but that only lasts about a week, maybe two, three, mm -hmm. but then something happens and it's lost. Yeah. What's some advice that you can give? Start small, man. You you got to scaffold your victories and scaffolding. You know, for those people who don't know, you, you know, when you're you're let's say someone's gonna paint an entire skyscraper, you don't paint the top floor. You paint the first floor and work your way up, right? And so that's the way I would do. You you you, you scaffold your victories. Your your victories are not gonna be home runs. You have to create singles and doubles. You're not gonna be hitting home runs every time you go to go to bat. And so for me is, if you're, let's say you wake up Eli at 6.45, well, what time do you normally wake up? 
Right the now truth. at six, because okay. I uh, train all the way to the website. It takes me 30 minutes. I've been doing it consistent for oh. four weeks already. Okay. So right now at six okay. to get there at seven. Okay, so let's say you tell me you, you, I'm your mentor and you say, Rick, I need, I need help and this is what I want to do. I wouldn't put you on a 4 a.m. plan like me because you would fail. I would put you on a 5.45. Oh, okay. Right? So you think, Rick, come on, this is silly. 15-minute difference. I could do this. Well, try it. See if your body doesn't notice a difference. Your body is a robot, bro. They notice, like, it sounds bad, but like by 405, 410, I'm in the restroom. My body already, for the audience, I know that sounds weird, but like yeah, 405, 410, my body's already telling me I got to go to the restroom. And so that is how I've already ingrained the habits for myself. It wasn't like that at first. There's a lot of kicking and screaming internally for me. So if you're waking up at 6 and you say, Rick, what do I need to do? I'm not going to tell you wake up at 4. Wake up at 545 and do that consistently for a month. Mm -hmm. And then once you do that for a month, then you're going to be like, okay, what am I going to do in that extra 15-minute period? Well, don't waste it. Don't shit it away. Now you have 15 minutes. So you're going to for five minutes, you're going to meditate. Ten minutes, you're going to read a chapter. Whatever. Or you're just going to make coffee, drink your water. Tranquilo, whatever the case, but capitalize on yeah, 15 yeah. minutes. Poquito, poquito, and that makes yeah. a lot of sense because, uh, and, and you're absolutely right. If I was to wake up at 9, 10, mm -hmm. 11, mm -hmm. and all of a sudden I want to wake up at 5, Not yeah, I'm going to be motivated for three days, yeah. four days, and then I'm going to go back to my old ways, right? And then I'm going to put the excuse that, no, that doesn't work. But in reality, it does work. It's just the way, the approach that you took to do so, that's what it is. Yeah, works. it's kind of like working out, man. You, 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 like I don't like waking up to go to the gym. I know people do. They maybe they're better skilled at it than me. I like waking up because I like working, but I don't like waking up because I like working out. So, but me da hueva. I'm mm -hmm. just human, right? But once I'm up, and once I'm in the gym, it's game on. I'm I'm good. Then that that laziness it is gone and you're in the gym you might as well go all out right so it's really just like your working out mode like i'm not going to expect a person who's never lifted the bar which is 45 pounds i'm not going to expect he's weak as heck never lifted the bar to go ahead and put 300 pounds on that bar that's not realistic that's not his physical his anatomy is not going to allow him to do that so let's start with less than the bar or let's start with five more pounds whatever the case may be and then you scaffold your victories until you get to the point where your strength is better. So that's it's the, the, the brain is just the same way. You wire it consistently to not give in to your fears and to your apprehensions and to your laziness. And you rewire it enough. And you do that through a course of time. Eventually, it's going to seem like second nature. That's why for me, my body at 405, 410, I'm on the shitter. It's, it's programmed for me. Yeah. No, no, and 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 again, that, that makes perfect sense. And when I think, as, as you were saying this, I was thinking of of Shane that wakes up at three because he uh, opens at four, I believe. Mm -hmm. And one thing he mentioned was that he does that because he wants to be known, not for like not that uh, he mm -hmm. wants to impress people, by himself as a man of discipline, right? Mm -hmm. And what that is is not breaking your own word as far as this is what mm -hmm. I'm going to do. This is the reason mm -hmm. why I'm doing it. And again, I'm not doing it for anyone else. It's just I'm doing it for myself. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So that's a little bit of what what you talked about so i appreciate that now that we're in that mindset i'm gonna ask you a personal question hopefully you don't mind um now that you have this mentality mm -hmm. now that you have this mindset that your core values are um i mean they're, they're very specific you know your core values you know your mindset 
Do you find it difficult finding a partner, meaning a girlfriend, a wife that shares the same discipline, mindset, core values? Well, you know, the answer should be yes. They should al- it should always be yes, because if you have uh, unique attributes, unique goals, you really know exactly what you want. Eli, if I'm giving you advice, like um, uh, I always tell this to my agents, you know, uh, you know, donkeys don't hang around um, unicorns. Unicorns don't hang around donkeys, right? And so when you when you examine that, you know, there's a verse in the Bible that says you shouldn't therefore never be unequally yoked with someone. The idea of being yoked is harnessed, right? Um, you know, they used to harness animals back in the day so that they could create some type of product like milk or butter or whatever the case may be. So if you have a donkey with a unicorn, there's different energies, right? And so if you want to be a unicorn, unicorns are rare fine. You have to act and behave and have the energy and the output and like you're talking about the discipline factors to be a unicorn. So it is, it should be hard. It should be hard, um, especially if, um, I know overall it's going to be a hard thing, but you shouldn't be looking for it. You should be examining how you could get better, how you could create more value, how you could, you know, sometimes pain is good, sometimes a breakup is good because it's just going to get you more refined, get you to the the end goal at mind. So um, if I could give anyone advice on that, I mean, I'm still trying to figure that out myself all the time, is the best version of yourself is eventually going to find the best version of your partner. And so that's what you would want. Like if I could give you advice is, you know, create the best version of yourself. You know, and you'll you'll, you'll find it. I, I I believe everyone everyone does. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. Sometimes my daughter and I we we I don't know spend hours talking on subjects like that. And I was also telling her is that it's not that you're a good husband, a good wife, or a good worker. You have to be a good person overall, mm-hmm. and that's gonna play a role. Mm-hmm. You know, you cannot be a good person and a bad husband, mm-hmm. or you cannot be. Uh, again, a, a bad person, but then in, in you're a, a good person. You mm-hmm. know, I, I don't think, and, and again, I don't know, it seems that you think the same way. You have to work on yourself, make sure that you yourself are put together, and then that's when you're going to be able to do yeah. everything else, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it, it's 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 a mindset. I mean, just, just like we were talking about waking up early, uh, just, you know, putting in the time to whatever it is that you want is uh, a final outcome, right? Uh, when you do that enough and consistently through a period of time, I think you'll get rewarded somehow. You just, the, the problem, though, Eli, is that, you know, we don't get rewarded the way we would want, you know, sometimes. Or as fast. Or as fast. And that's the the, 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 uni- the uniqueness. I remember a quick, quick story. I had a, I, I was a broke college student in L.A. and I, I had like, I think, $5 to my name. And I wasn't getting paid until maybe the next week. And I was broke, man. I remember I, I opened up the fridge and I had I think barbecue sauce and ice in my fridge. And I'm like, man, I'm, I'm just going to go to the grocery store, see what I could, I could drum up with those $5 and God forbid, cause I never asked my parents for any money, man. I just was not like that. They were in their own struggles. And I was not, I was a grown man. I decided to leave on my own. I have to, you know, I have to be able to do it. And so it was that energy that I created, right? When we're talking about like, we don't get rewarded the same way we would want. Like I wanted, I wanted like money or I wanted something. Right. So, there was a family member or if not family, there was a family that was behind me and the mom and daughter and, 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 and a little girl and, and they were scrounging for money and I felt convicted and I gave them my last money. And so I put my, my grocery items away and I was starving 
and I gave her my last my last set of money, and I wasn't gonna get paid for several days. And so I went, I went home, barely made it to my house with because I didn't have I was almost on empty on my on my car too. It was bad. It was it was bad. Uh, but I had my house, bro. I was yeah, yeah. yeah. That was, you were a, ho- yeah. a house owner, house owner, <laughs> yeah. homeowner, right? Yeah. And I didn't know how I was gonna pay for it, right? So um, uh, it was like three hours later, four hours later, stomachs growling, and everything. And then my 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 buddy Tim called me. He's like, "Yo, you know, my um, uh, my dad was really impressed by you. He was just impressed with your energy and your drive, man. He's like, we're watching the Laker game, um, and he's cooking up some steaks, and he's like, he wants to invite you over." um you want to come over and i'm like hell yeah <laughs> heck yeah heck yeah so i wanted once again you know i was i was trying to seek my reward or my final outcome through monetary right um and i got in a different way i got in an immediate way like i needed food i got food right i got food and that's what i you know so when i went started talking to him he gave me food they there was so much food bro they gave me leftovers i ate the same thing for a week but it was extremely so happy i was extremely happy bro i even said i'll bring the barbecue sauce like the pro- barbecue sauce to the party man <laughs> yeah so it was one of those man like i i i just you know you, you put out enough good energy and good aura to people you may not get rewarded then and you may not get rewarded in the same format but uh, you'll you'll be blessed somehow down the road, man. Nice. Thank you for sharing that yep. story. That was a yeah. really good story. Yeah. Talking about that, senor, so far, looking back, what are some of the biggest accomplishments uh, looking back, uh, both personal life and in business? Uh, you, you know, my personal accomplishments, man, they're, they're, they're insignificant compared to the idea of just being a dad, man. I, I, I love being a dad. Um, they come up with some random stuff that they just keep you energized. I think that's my biggest accomplishment, just being there for my kiddos, um, being a good brother, being a good, you know, a, a good uncle, uh, a good son. I think those have been my biggest accomplishments, man. I'm, I'm at my parents' house after this podcast. I'm going to go, go to my parents' house right now, go check up on them. I'm, I'm, I'm usually bugging my parents three to four times a week. Um, I'm that kind of son to try to go and, and I just, I love spending time with my mom or dad. I like, I'll, that's, I, that would businessman. It, it all fades, man. I, if, if I lose my, my business, I, I could build it up again. I know how to build it again. So, um, I don't, I wouldn't say me owning, you know, 20 some properties and, you know, being able to retire now if I wanted to, uh, it's not that man honestly when it when money drives you then that's your leading foot and that's your leading discussion but money is not money doesn't drive me it's an outcome to my hard work and but at the end of the day you know all that could be taken away pretty quickly and i'm aware of that and as a result i'm not i don't i don't i don't i don't gravitate to it as most other people would what keeps you motivated as you're talking about your accomplishments, the things that you have done, which mm-hmm. are, again, they're ugh, impressive. The fact is that, I mean, like you said, you could retire if, if, if you wanted to already. So what what keeps you motivated wanting to wake up, wanting to do better the next day, the day I, after that? I, I really do like serving other people, man. I, I, I get excited at the idea that today would be a day that one of my agencies is just going to kick ass. I get excited at the idea that they're doing well that they're getting closer and closer to getting that aha moment, that 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 grand moment for them, or picking up another property under their investment portfolio, that I'm helping a family get to the next destination, that I'm helping a family acquire another investment property. Uh, just being a mentor to as many people as possible in my own fashion, in my own way. 
that keeps me motivated. I mean, I, I really, I, I wake up enjoying life, man. I know life sucks sometimes, man. And I really do wake up enjoying life. I, I, I try to kick ass every day. Every day I try to beat the day. So that's, that's, that's my motivation. When you do it so much and so often consistently for a period of time, um, it's hard for you not to uh, impact your immediate circle. Because if you hang around a lazy person enough and then his friends are lazy, two things are going to happen. Eli, you're going to become extremely lazy or you're going to feel so uncomfortable that you're, that's not going to be your group anymore. There's no in between. And if you reverse that, if you're around winners and you're not a winner, you're either going to be so uncomfortable that you're going to quit or to acclimate and assimilate as part of the group, you've got to become them. And to become them, you you seek habits that they have the way they speak the way they dress their mannerisms everything that they do you start seeing that what they do to make them successful the way they wake up early look you had another person what was his name that okay so shane you, you said that he wakes up at a certain time because he has his own gym right uh i'm not surprised that's what winners do the, See what I'm saying? The, that, yeah, that, that, the, that's the what mindset. The, yeah, like, you're not, you're not, yeah. you're not like, oh my gosh, because that's yeah. what, that's, that's what it's, it's, it's impressive for others. When I see that, I'm like, yes, there's people out there like that. Uh, yes, like that, that are doing that, that are just kicking ass and doing that. I could love that. I love hearing stories like that. Like they take pride in their own product. That's his, that's his business. This with his family, and they're waking up that early. Yes, and. But I'm not surprised hearing it because you could tell when someone is committed to their craft. Yeah, they have to too. It's not only about the money, their business. Yeah. When you talk to him, uh, like the mindset, mm-hmm. how comfortable, how successful they they know they are, and then something I'm I'm gonna ask you next. But when I ask him, hey, so you have any any goals, anything that you have next? You know what? I'm happy the way I am right now, mm-hmm. and I just take every day as it is, you know. Mm-hmm. And I'm just excited about that. And for me, I wasn't expecting that. I consider mm-hmm. myself uh, someone really happy. And one of the things that makes me happy is having a goal, a project, something mm-hmm. that. Como dices mm-hmm. tú, I sometimes can't sleep thinking of, oh, I just want to wake up already next day because I have so many things to do, mm-hmm. like in a positive way, you know. So when he threw that off, like, oh, okay, you know, I I, I thought that maybe you were gonna share the same thing. I was, oh no, it's because I want this. I have this big goals, but for him, it was just. You know what? It's just me knowing that I'm living, that I'm on the moment. That's it. You know, I take it one day at a time. I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, that's mm-hmm. a really nice approach mm-hmm. on that. Yeah. With that said, get the fact that you're like, what are you? You have any goals? Five year goal? Uh, uh, any goal in? Yeah, years? I, yeah. Get, I mean, get, I, get I, I have the, I have the same process as you know your your previous guest. I would say is uh, I, I I operate in the now. I operate in the day. Right. Um, I do live day to day, and I. I but within that, I do have end goals, right? Like I, 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 I want to be able to have my my boutique brokerage all over the state of Texas, right? And I want it to be where it stays small, but just cold-blooded, amazing customer service and high-end as helping as many people as possible. So I don't want to get to a point where we have 500 agents in one office. I want to be where it's where I develop the leaders within the company that are, that are, gave me the loyalty and we open up offices all over texas and we have 20 30 agents in each of those offices i don't ever want to be 150 agents per each office because then we get i I feel that my vision will get sloppy um i want to be able to consistently travel the world with my parents 
uh, show them the parts of God's beautiful earth that they never would have imagined seeing. Uh, that's what we've been doing consistently prior to COVID. I mean, we took them fly fishing to Alaska. Uh, we've taken them to Hawaii. My dad's been to Jerusalem, uh, different parts of the world. Just, I mean, he got a chance to baptize someone. This is more the religious side, but he got a chance to baptize someone in the Jordan River. And for a pastor, that's like the culmination. That's like, wow, like you, that's a really cool thing, right? So I, 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 you know, I have a lot of unique personal plans that I want to do. Um, uh, take care of my family, my brothers and sisters and whatnot, but, uh, travel the world, man. I, 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 I will spend money on seeing this beautiful earth, man. That's, that's the way to do it. Is your plan still to climb Mount Kilimanjaro? Yes. Thank you yes. for pronouncing that yeah, before Mount me. Kilimanjaro. Yeah, yeah, it still is. I just need to get my budding gear to that. Um, it still is, uh, um, I, I wouldn't mind doing that. Uh, once, once the world opens up again, uh, travel and, and, and climb Mount Kilimanjaro and who knows, maybe Mount Everest, but I need to get some new knees for that. Yeah. <laughs> All right, sir. Well, so far I have enjoyed this conversation a well, lot. Thank and you. I thank know you for that, me by. Uh, no, and I know a lot of people, uh, we, we might not be a lot, but I know that, um, again, a lot of people reach out to me, even people that don't, mm -hmm. that are not friends. I say, you don't, you don't know the impact that you're making. I'm like, what? I know I'm making a fool of myself. I know that, you yeah. know, but to hear, and I can share this with you in detail after, but I got a message from someone that I don't know, not part of my, yeah. my cl uh, close friends or anything, said, you know what, man, dude, that, that, that was motivational. Thank you for doing that. And for yeah. me, like, oh, what's going on? Yeah. And, and again, hearing you, uh, the conversation, the what you think, I know that a lot of people will benefit from that. So I, I hope so, man. You. I hope so. I, 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 any way that we could help, you're doing the right thing, Eli. Uh, trying to get the word out especially during a tough time in covid i i think people need to just gravitate and hold on to some positive things uh the world sometimes sucks you know um but you know what keep your head up uh you know i remember finishing up the, i went to a conference a forbes conference in boston uh, a couple years back and one of the people that was getting interviewed was a youtuber he was like a 20 year old youtuber and he's a millionaire and they were talking to him about like, you know, what are some of the steps and blah, blah, blah. And he's like, honestly, is embrace the suck. And I was like, what? And I'm like, this is what I flew to a Forbes <laughs> conference for to hear a 20 year old. But then it resonated with me. Like, it's true. Embrace the suck. Like you start off and you're not an all star. You're you're you're, you're you suck. And you were talking about it. And I was hearing your story. And I'm like, that's my story. When I first started speaking and whatnot. Uh, you're like oh, I don't I don't even like hearing my voice, man, on 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 air, and so you just got to get used to it. like this whole microphone thing. It's awkward for a lot of people, right? But then eventually you just get more comfortable and more comfortable with it. So my advice to you and my advice to anyone out there is just embrace the suck. Don't worry about what people think about you. Uh, just practice your craft and do it do it with amazing grit, and eventually you'll get better. Senor, thank you. It means yeah. a lot coming from someone like you, like yourself. So again, thank you. The last subject I want to cover, and I know you're really big into this. You already talked about it, but um, I, I want to get some specifics around mentoring, coaching. I know that is one of your big passions. Mm -hmm. If you think about it, why is that? Uh, I guess because I always had a passion. You know, I was a leader within my church back when I was doing that. Um, I was uh, also teaching and coaching. Um, so I, I think it's one of the, f I don't have a lot of gifts. I think it's one of the few gifts that I do have, you know, we're talking about what can be practiced and what can be developed and, and what's a gift. I think, you know, mentoring, coaching and teaching and helping others is, is one of my gifts. So any chance I get an opportunity to share with the right 
people that are willing to put in the work, it's something that I, I really gravitate to. So it's something that I really enjoy doing. Coming from a family of pastors, you think maybe that's also something? Probably. I mean, probably you you, you start seeing it modeled, you know, consistently. Uh, my mom being a leader, my dad being a leader, uh, my brothers and whatnot. So, um, I yeah, I would say so. I, I think it, it, it makes it easier. Um, um, I just enjoy it, man. I, 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 I enjoy giving of that um, in, in a correct way. So maybe, who knows, maybe later on I do like a, a bigger, a different company or different entrepreneurship plan where I just completely just have a mentorship program, uh, not necessarily just for people in my company, but just in general. Nice. Mm -hmm. Senor, how can someone tell a good one a good mentor or coaching coach from a bad one and and I, and I see this as a problem because just because they have money in the field of let's say real estate mm -hmm. does it mean that they make a, a good coach a good mentor how can i tell someone apart a good one from a well just, they're just willing to give your time they're willing to give the energy and effort they're not afraid of you replicating their process right and so you know my dad always said you're the secret sauce rick you're the secret sauce and that's that was his way of motivating me like you know you're everyone and not, he's like not everyone can make your mom's enchiladas dude you know, like you my, your mom could give the recipe out in detail to 500 people but it's still not gonna taste like your mom's enchiladas and i'm like okay so with that in mind i gave freely i give freely of my energy and my time and my my whatever little knowledge i have in my brain because at the end of the day, there's still the secret sauce, right? And I feel like I'm a secret sauce when it comes to certain things that I do. And you are a secret sauce. I think everyone has their own unique niche. So find your niche. Find your niche and don't be afraid to give to others. And I think the, the value is going to come back this way. That's why whenever I do a podcast or whenever I do a teaching moment or whatever the case may be, you know, there's the fear that someone will, will take that and run with it and, and you won't get rewarded from it. But so be it. So be it. That's life. That's life, man. And, and, and also you can tell, um, hopefully if you're seeking advice, you're at a stage of your life that you can tell that if someone's willing to give you their time and also sincere about, hey, this is what I'm doing, go ahead and do it instead of, you know what, I'm going to keep this for mm -hmm. me because I don't want you to make more money than me or mm -hmm. whatever that is. I mean, you can tell, but that was just uh, a question that I always had as far as, okay, if I seek for for advice from someone how can i know that i'm getting from the right place and i think you already talked about some of the ways that you can find out why mm -hmm. senor you do a lot of mentoring uh, especially with the new new agents i i suppose so when you're working with someone new and they and they, they seek um, help and they ask you for your help what are the main things that you focus on first or what are the must have to become successful um if that makes sense to you uh, you know, developing their network and their sphere of influence right away, immediately, I would want to try to tap in on the people that they know. So that way, um, if, and especially in my field, you want to be able to maximize that opportunity. So let's say you're going to jump into my field. I want to know who your haircut, your barber is. I want to know who your, 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 your doctor is, who, where you go to church, where you don't go, uh, your mechanic and whatnot. We want to be able to, to take from your brain people that you just think are normal people and you need to ex exchange those positive conversations so that way whenever because these people are also homeowners that eventually whenever the idea of buying or selling or investing comes up they think of you because you are in their forefront and so that's what we try to capitalize on expanding on their database their current database uh creating opportunities that that people could that you can meet your database 
on a, on a more regular basis. And then you send them a campaign, you send them a newsletter, you send them a marketing idea. Um, and so that eventually all you're doing is planting the seed, planting the seed, planting the seed, planting the seed, and eventually you turn back and then the, that plant is going to harvest some fruit for you, right? And then outside of that, when you're creating your own marketing campaign, so it's just it's just a consistency of that. You can just can't expect to put a first sale sign and expect to do well. Yeah, no, and it makes a lot of sense uh, as far as investigating your your immediate circle because maybe you're teaching someone really good habits about mm -hmm. discipline, mm -hmm. everything really good. You're showing them examples, but if they go back home and their wife, well, hopefully they don't divorce mm -hmm. after feedback, but their circle of friends. If you can't control that, regardless of how well you train them or you mm -hmm. gave them positive feedback, but if they go ba uh, back to mm -hmm. a, a negative circle, I mean, that's gonna backfire and all yep. that time is gonna be wasted. So I, it really makes sense to first focus on that. Mm -hmm. Senor, um, my other question, the word potential. Mm -hmm. Do you still hate it? And if yes, tell me less why. Uh, I just don't like it. I don't I don't, I don't. don't like potential. There's another word that I don't like. I don't like... Uh, Procrastination. Oh, I, when I when I hear someone say I procrastinated, so potential and procrastination are two of my my least favorite words. Uh, potential is just you haven't you haven't stepped out, man. Oh, you have potential. No, you suck. <laughs> you suck because you haven't put in the discipline. Potential means lack of discipline for me. Like, no. When potential meets discipline, you'd like, wow, that person's amazing. So there's something missing. So same thing with procrastination. I don't think like. Oh, I just haven't got around to it. Well, you know, there's a lot of things that are right now or, or as soon as I leave, I'm going to have to get to right now, right? But um, I don't believe in procrastination. It just wasn't that important enough, you know? And when you make it your, a priority, you, 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 you get to it. So procrastination, I, 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 don't, I don't believe in consistently. Like all of us are procrastinators, but you just, you, you just put it off. You just put it off. It's like working out. You, you put it off. Eating right, you put it off. Uh, calling your mom if you haven't called her in five months, you just pull, you, you put it off. It's just not that important enough. That's yeah, it. There's no such thing as I don't have time. Yeah. It was just not your priority. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Senor, before I ask you my last question, once again, I just want to thank you for your time. Thank you. Um, I mean, I value time. I know that, again, you can be doing other things, but you giving me your time, your, your knowledge and everything. So, again, I, I, I mm -hmm. sincerely want to, Thank you for that. Um, the last question that I asked my guest is, what is one thing that you love about El Paso and one thing that maybe you would change or maybe improve about our hometown? Uh, there's uh, there's not one thing that I, I mean, there's so, so many things that I love about the city of El Paso. Uh, you know, the food, the environment, the culture, the vibrancy, it, it's, you know, that whole hashtag El Paso strong, it really is that. Um, I lived in LA and I lived in New York City and though I love those two respective places, um, look at where I'm at, man. I came back. I, I made it in New York, and I did fine in L.A. as well. I could have stayed there. But I came back because El Paso's home, and it still feels like home. And I missed it immensely when I was living in New York City. So uh, the one thing I love, man, is just the vibrancy of the people. Uh, that's what it is. It's the fabric of our community. So if there's anything that I would change is the idea that El Paso can be a gateway to prosperity and business growth. I think a lot of our young business professionals, um, they leave and they don't come back. You know, I was one of the few, I'm sure there's other people, but I, I think more of more people like me that have experienced and left and maybe go to bigger metroplexes. I want them to come back 
and then give them their knowledge and give them their time and start a start a foundation, start a community thing, start start a business um, because they're homegrown El Pasoans and then they just got got the unique flavors from another city and then they put it back into our city and it's going to create for a better overall product in El Paso. That's what I would suggest if there's anything that we should do is just so that we could create a bigger a bigger surge economically that way. Yeah, and I think it's happening already. It's still mm. slow, but as I was doing my research on who can I invite, what's going mm. on out there, the fact is there's a lot of people out there doing it, mm-hmm. already putting themselves out there, either business, art, mm. music, whatever it is. So it is happening, but I agree with you when we compare it to maybe other markets. Yep. So nice. Senor, once again, hopefully we can continue uh, uh, staying in touch. But again, I want to thank you Thank you. you. Thank you. I appreciate it for all your audience, man. Nice. Thank That's you. all I have. Adios. You have a good one.